You're listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Gray. Join me as we cover topics about nutrition, health, and lifestyle so you can have ancestral health in a modern world. This episode is brought to you by Ancestral Elements Supplements. If you're looking for whole food, high quality, wild-crafted supplements, look at Ancestral Elements Supplements. I offer a liver and colostrum supplement as well as a wild bear clover tincture. With my background in food science, I'm able to personally formulate and create my own supplement line to ensure the integrity and quality of each product. In both supplements that I offer, none contain any fillers. They're strictly 100% food items, making them completely bioavailable and non-disruptive to the gut microbiome. For further information, go to ancestralelements.com and navigate to the supplements page. Now, here's the episode. Hi and welcome back to another episode of the Ancestral Elements Podcast. This is episode 57, The Year of the Water Tiger, Destined for Change. So this episode is going to be a little bit different than I normally do. It's the Lunar New Year, and I would like to kind of go through some of the symbolism that the Lunar New Year entails. And I'm going to obviously put a nutritional twist on this, but I also have some stuff going on in my life that I would like to share with you guys. Because for me personally and my family, it's going to be a year of change, undoubtedly. But before I dive into kind of the nitty gritty details of my own life, the Lunar New Year, or what's called the Chinese New Year, is a holiday kind of steeped in folklore and tradition. And my wife Marie and I were just talking about this. How, you know, Christmas in a Western sense to a Westerner is kind of the peak holiday. Well, the Chinese New Year in Asian countries is kind of that peak holiday, practically celebrated throughout Asia. Often it's a time where families kind of come together. A lot of times you'll see kids running around getting money in kind of brightly red envelopes. It's like the main holiday. And it's a time where generosity is kind of a main theme, and then clearing out clutter, whether it's going through old things in your house and getting rid of things, or looking forward basically to spring, looking forward to longer days, a growing season, right? As seasons start to kind of flow out of winter into spring, it's a time where a lot of the world is kind of preparing for that seasonal shift that's I mean, it's only a few months away. It's also a good time to kind of take stock. You know, a lot of people have made New Year's resolutions that have, well, let's be honest, already failed. So this can be a good opportunity to kind of get back on track. We're a month in, in kind of the Gregorian calendar, you know, New Year, and we have 11 months to go. You know, it's a good time to kind of reassess, reevaluate, see if your New Year's resolutions were sustainable or not. Have you already given up on them? You know, it's a good, for me, I like to use it almost as kind of a litmus test of, you know, the goals that I made, are they practical? Did I even make it a month, right? Um, And for me personally, that's uh, probably yet to be seen, but I'll get into that later on. So traditionally, the Chinese New Year is kind of signified with elements. There's an animal type of element to it which this year it's the tiger, and there's also earth elements associated with that animal. So this year, the element is water. And I've talked about water a lot on this podcast, both in the nutritional sense and kind of 
in the more abstract elemental form. But this idea of the water tiger kind of stems from a folklore where <clears throat> the Jade Emperor, about 3,500 years ago, created a race for animals to partake in. And there was 12 animals, so it's a cyclical kind of yearly animal that gets assigned for the coming year. The tiger in this race placed third behind the rat and then the diligent ox. The tiger could, as the folklore kind of goes, and this story shifts throughout China where you go and throughout Asia where you travel, but it's stated that the tiger could have won if he really wanted to. But due to his generous acts and coming up against a water element, a river in this case, it kind of took him off track a little bit. And ultimately he was fast and could be aggressive, but also had a degree of generosity and kindness, which ultimately placed him third in the race. And I'm not really sure if the placing matters a whole lot. Like, I don't think it's a huge, you know, competition, but it's a good way to kind of observe elements of nature and then equate them with kind of personality traits. You basically anthropomorphize the things you see in the natural world because we do that constantly. Whether we know we're doing it or not, we're always kind of anthropomorphizing animals or natural elements in the world to try to make sense of them. And this is something this kind of folk folklore does. It kind of draws a human element into the raw elements that make up the world. And there's also other elements that are associated with the tiger. So its main element is wood. And this year, a co-element of that is fire. So if you kind of anthropomorphize the tiger through elements of nature, you're looking at aggression, kind of would be fire, right? You have a fire stirring inside of you. And wood is kind of that growth or that kind of steadfast, kind of unwavering type of energy that you see throughout the world. I mean, think about like a gigantic old oak tree, right? It's hardy. It has substance. You know, it has presence to it. So just because there's a water element to this doesn't mean that there isn't other elements kind of being associated with it. And we don't really need to get hung up on that stuff too much for our purposes. But really, I think what this year signifies is it could be a year of potential change, which is often associated with that kind of water element. I mean, we are in the winter time right now. This is the time of water. It's a time of all this kind of potentiality that's building up, that's ready to kind of give this big burst of energy that you get in the springtime. So it's kind of your scheming, planning, preparing to kind of thrust everything you have at the year in the spring. And that's kind of what that water element signifies in a lot of ways. Water's this kind of ebbing, flowing, follows the path of least resistance. But yet, if it meets resistance, it can bore through rock and create canyons. Right, It has this kind of dominant uh, energy to it. And in the body, water is associated with the kidneys. So right now in the wintertime, the organ system would be the kidneys. You're in this kind of kidney elemental water paradigm where your kidneys manage fluid balance. And through that kind of fluid balance and maintenance, and hopefully through the proper dietary choices in the wintertime, that's going to give you reserve 
to start building energy, to build this kind of chi and adrenal response, if you will, to give you energy to kind of launch into spring, right? Imagine if you're just completely drained all winter long and are depressed and just can't make anything happen. You're not going to have energy come spring, right? This is a time to go inward, to reserve, to store, right? All of these kind of adjectives to kind of prepare you for a growth and development and change. This is the natural rhythm and seasonality of the earth, of our home, to which we all belong. And so being a part of that, I think, is a really important thing. And having holidays or even your own traditions that can kind of recognize that, I think, is really important. So whether it's Christmas that you reflect on this or the Lunar New Year or the winter solstice or spring equinox, whenever it is, I think it's important to have that time of reflection and celebration with your loved ones and family. So I want to kind of throw out a main central question for this episode, and it's this. Why would somebody want slash need to change their diet or nutritional behavior? Because obviously people change their diets, they start new diets, they end diets, they make decisions surrounding food and nutrition all day long, every day. Now, whether or not they're cognizant of those decisions is something else entirely. But my question really is to you, do you need to change? Do you need to make a change? And maybe for a lot of you listening, the answer is no, I actually don't need to make a change. I've made the change and I've been diligent about and cognizant about the decision that I've made previously. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you are at a point in your life where you are happy with the nutritional decisions that you've made in the past, I'm all for it especially if they're actually serving your health. Now, obviously, there's a whole laundry list of reasons why people would choose to change their nutritional and eating behaviors. It could be metabolic disease. It could be family. It could be looks. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. But there's a catalyst to change. You know, sometimes it can be kind of a fleeting feeling, like something just doesn't feel quite right, or that it isn't sustainable that it's no longer balanced and no longer serving you. So if you do need to make a change, what type of change are you going to make? Are you going to buy kind of the latest fad diet book and try a new, you know, 2022 fad diet, maybe a flexitarian diet or a vegan diet or a carnivore diet, whatever it is, at least it's a change. At least you're somewhat thinking about it. And that's actually a good step for some people doesn't matter really even what the diet or the nutritional change is. The fact that people are critically thinking about even making a diet change is a good sign because there's thought in there. It's the people who float through life unconscious of their decisions or unwilling to look at their decisions that usually fall into really bad patterns. And that's true of anything, diet, social aspects of their life, whatever it is. And obviously, you can change a diet whenever you want to whatever you want. But are you doing it consciously? And are you doing it for a good reason? And do you know why you're actually doing it? Because in order to actually succeed with a change, you have to want it. You know, it's one thing to write down a resolution on a piece of paper. It's another to really want that thing and to go after that thing. Because change is never easy. There are major pitfalls in change. You make costly mistakes sometimes, very costly. You know, it takes you out of a comfort zone 
that you were once in and just kind of beats you up a little bit. But if you can get through all that, you have growth on the other side. You know, and unfortunately, I'm sitting here in North America where the overweight and obesity rate is over 70% of the population. The majority of the population needs to make a nutritional and diet change. But unfortunately, the vast majority of that 70% just yo-yos through their life constantly battling themselves nutritionally in their diet with the food that they decide to eat, not having a foundational direction and path to even point them in the right direction. And it's not because people are lazy or stupid or whatever descriptor you want to throw on people. People aren't weak or incapable. As a matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. People are busy. This culture has brought so much distraction with it. You know, the technology that humans have developed and leveraged and utilized brings with it so much distraction. And we're at a point now where if we don't set very intentional goals surrounding something like diet and nutrition, it's so easy for us to get off track because we don't have to think about it anymore. Food is always there. Food is no longer the main motivator for most people. It's a necessity to people. They don't make it the number one thing in their life. That's why a lot of people get upset with their foodie friend who won't shut up about, you know, food and nutrition, aka me probably a lot of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It uh, Historically, that would have been the driving force for all of humanity. Ancestrally, that is the driver. That's what got us to this point in time. It no longer needs to be the present focus of collective humanity because there's so much surplus. And so really the trick is staying cognizant of why you're eating the food that you're eating and then making small incremental changes. Everybody can start increasing species diversity in their diet tomorrow. Every single person on this planet could do that, and especially if you're listening to this right now. And the people who think that food isn't really all that necessary, that it's just kind of this fuel that you need to dump down your gas tank, those people have never really been hungry. Those are people that have never truly been hungry to change. You know, again, that's the type of person who's never put any thought into what's going into their body. And you do that long enough, decade after decade, and unfortunately, things will start to fall apart very quickly. Physically, your body will start to deteriorate if you have an attitude like that. And then you'll wake up one day and realize that you are sick and unhealthy and have no idea on how to manage the symptoms and the onslaught of things that are headed your way because you have no tools. Change is inevitable. Nothing stays static. You can either do your best to think about it and prepare for it and welcome it with open arms, or you can kind of float mindlessly through it or actively try to fight against it, which is never really going to work either. And there are things that you may do that you know are inherently unsustainable. Decisions you make that you know you can't do forever, but that might serve you for that time and place, and that you're going to have to change. And people go on diets like that all the time, whether it's vegan or carnivore or keto or Atkins or Predican diet. A lot of people just feel like they need to try something different. And if it doesn't work, then they'll try something else. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that thinking. At least they're thinking about it. Again, it doesn't really matter where you land. The fact that you're willing to try something and to make a change when it comes to your health and nutrition and food.
is impressive nonetheless, even if it ends up being a negative result. You see what I'm getting at? But really, ultimately, if you truly want to make a sustainable dietary change that positively affects your nutrition and overall health, looking at things from a very sustainable and balanced perspective, in my mind, really is the only option. And obviously, this is subjective. You know, I could talk to 10 different dietitians and come up with 10 different meal plans where each of them considers that extremely healthy and the best choice. You could talk to 10 different dietitians and come up with an additional 10 different healthy eating plans, quote unquote. What I'm trying to instill into people and educate people with is the fact that there's extreme flexibility in choice. With a five kingdom approach to eating, when you incorporate every kingdom of life that we eat into your diet, that increases the diversity of species that you're eating, which will increase the nutrient density and biodiversity in your gut, in the microbiome. That's the whole basis of this thing. It's generalistic. It's not a step-by-step guide. You're never going to really hear me break down a step-by-step, this is how you do it, because it's going to be different based on your environment that you're living in, your age, your sex, the goals you want to get out of it. This is a working, living, fluid concept of food and nutrition, just like change is a working, fluid concept in your own mind. You don't exactly know what it's going to be, but you know it's going to be different. But that's how life is isn't it? You don't really know what it's going to be. Most people try to do their best and want to do their best and want a positive outcome, but it doesn't always happen. You know, when it comes to freedom of choice, food is kind of the final frontier in a sense. No one can tell you what to put in your body and what to eat. That's an individual, intimate, conscious choice that you make every single day. And if people truly do want to change their eating behavior. Don't do it through a restrictive diet mindset. Do it through a lens and a mindset of variety and adding more and more things in. You don't come to nutrition through a mindset of lack. You come to nutrition through a mindset of diversity and a sustainable balanced approach. I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of insane that as a human species living right now, in this time and place. We don't have to put thought into food, into what we eat, what we put into our bodies on a daily basis. That's a luxury that no other society has had. You know, the simple fact that people can just kind of disregard food as not being that important is amazing. It truly is amazing. That is until somebody like that gets sick or ends up with metabolic disease like type 2 diabetes or morbid obesity. And then all of that illusion comes crashing down around them. And they realize, oh, food is actually everything when I've made it really nothing. And that's a scary place to be. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of people are in their lives in this very moment. They haven't put value into one of the most valuable things that a person can do for their life and their health and their family's health. When you strip value out of something extremely vital and valuable, it's going to catch up with you. And so really, this is a long-winded way (laughs) of saying that change really is inevitable when it comes to diet and nutrition. 
because you're always going to have to face your choices in whatever you do. The expectation versus the reality is never going to be a balanced equation. And so just keeping a little bit more of a sustainable mindset in regards to your eating behavior can buffer that blow a little bit when change does come. You're going to already have a perspective of a balanced approach. And longtime listeners of this podcast will know exactly what that approach is. It's not a mystery. It's just about integrating it in with the elements, eating from five kingdoms to bolster your body for whatever change comes. Because really, your diet should be changing constantly. It should be changing through the seasons. You should not be eating the same thing you're eating right now, five months from now, right? Eating should be fun. Variety means change. That's baked into the equation, right? The more variety and diversity you can add into your diet, the more you can change it around, the more flexibility you end up having, and the more you're going to start to understand what works well for you. Because yes, I have about a decade of education surrounding food and nutrition, but that in no way means I know what is going to be exactly good for you. I can have some general guidelines and make some recommendations, but ultimately, you are the one in your body, feeling and experiencing everything. I'm not that person. So ultimately, it's going to be, the burden is going to be on you to figure out how to make all this work in a way that is going to work for you. You know, there is no easy 10-step guide to this. And if somebody says there is, then they don't either know what they're talking about or they're lying because it's complex. Welcome to complex systems of biology and nutrition. It's not as easy as just subscribing to one diet, as many of you know that are probably listening to this. Otherwise, you could just get on a diet and everything would be fine. And that's not necessarily true. It is for some, but not everybody. So welcome change. Welcome nutritional changes season to season. Change with them. Stay in harmony, stay in balance, and you're going to integrate things far easier than the person who's just trying to stay on some static restrictive diet that ultimately is not going to work and that in inherently isn't sustainable. Bring change into your life surrounding food and nutrition. Welcome it, honor it, and look forward to it above all. And that really starts to kind of come full circle and make a lot more sense when you start engaging with the natural processes of the world, getting outside, seeing what's in season, seeing what isn't in season, know what's going on around you outside your door. And this idea becomes a lot clearer. You know, mushrooms aren't in season all year round. There aren't baby bellas <laughs> growing in the soil all year round that you can get. There's a time and a place for these types of things. There's a time and place to produce and to consume, and there's a time and a place to give rest and to take a break. Your diet and nutrition should ebb and flow and bounce a bit, but you shouldn't go from fad diet to fad diet. That's not a good bounce. If you're going to bounce your food and nutrition around, go season to season, and you're going to actually be in better balance doing that internally with the microbiome, with your environment, than if you're trying to stay in some restrictive subset diet that you're practicing. And this can all come in phases. I mean, if you're coming off of a standard American diet, try adding in some fungal variety. Try adding in some protist kingdom variety, like seaweeds and algaes and things like Irish sea moss or even just dried seaweed or some seaweed salad. You know, try diversifying your animal kingdom. 
and plant kingdom as much as possible. You know, there are simple steps to be taken to get on this path. We're all in different spots. And really for me, and what I've set out to do is to try to fully integrate all of this type of thinking. And so really for the last four years, my wife and I have worked extremely hard to put ourselves in a position to where we can buy a piece of land and where we can grow a lot of our own food and have access to fishing and hunting and you know a little bit of animal husbandry. And we've done that. We've bought some land. We are going to develop it all out. It's a raw piece of land. There isn't anything on it except a bunch of trash that is now luckily cleaned up. Um, and we're going to take this kind of beat up, run down piece of dirt and turn it into productive soil. You know, I've never done this type of project, but I'm looking forward to it. It'll be brand new territory for my wife and I. We'll have help along the way with family and friends, but we're excited for it. And it'll be a huge change for us. Um, we don't really know what to expect. We have an idea and a direction to go in, and we're going to kind of go with it and see where it takes us. But talking about this stuff is one thing, but actually integrating it and making it fully a part of my life is another thing entirely. I'm going to be building our own house on this land with help, but I'm looking forward to learning new skills. Our plan is to build a pretty sustainable setup. We're going to do kind of an alternative build that involves a straw bale house. Um, so I'll kind of keep you guys posted on this and keep you guys updated as the months kind of drag on, but it'll be a new challenge and it'll be a huge change. We'll be picking up our businesses and kind of reestablishing them in mostly a new area because we'll be about two and a half hours away from where we currently are living. And so there's a ton of uncertainty looming, but man, it's going to be fun. You know, a life isn't meant to be static. You know, we've obviously spent the last four years kind of just scheming and dreaming all this up. And now it's kind of come to an head where we actually have to do it now. And that's the exciting part. I mean, it's easy to plan and to write ideas down. But action, action is really where it all comes. It all comes to matter. Without action, you don't have anything. You just have ideas. So I may be a little bit late getting episodes out. I may not do it every week. It's kind of going to depend on my workload and balancing kind of everything I need to do to get a bare piece of land productive. But I'm going to do my best to get a an episode every week and to stay as consistent as I can. You know, again, nutrition is never just about the food that you're putting in your body. It's just as much about environment and the environment you want to create for yourself. And for me personally, this is a stage in my life. I'm 33 years old. It's time for me to grow up and to create something for myself that's going to be sustainable, that I can manage. And it'll change through the years. Absolutely. But right now is the time to change and to grow and to grow up. And you know, everybody is going to have to grow up a little bit differently, depending on circumstances. But I feel like this is a, a growing up phase and something that um, I can grow into, which is a position that I haven't really felt in quite a few years. So I'm looking forward to it. And being that it is completely vacant and bare, we can make it whatever we want to make it. The creative potential is endless, which is a cool position to be in. <laughs> I'll let you know in another <laughs> six or eight months if I still feel the same way, but it's pretty amazing to be able to do whatever you want to do. You know, plant what you want to plant, grow what you want to grow, you know, develop it into something that works for you. And that essentially is the same thing when you're talking about your diet and nutrition. If you think about it from starting kind of from ground zero, 
Do you want to build something that's really going to work for you? It doesn't have to work for everybody, the world population, but it needs to work for you and future generations. But it's up to you on how you want to go about doing that. So it's okay to change, and it's okay not to know exactly the outcome of that change. But know the direction that you're headed in and know the direction that you want to head in so you can start taking incremental steps to accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Get outside, eat a diverse five kingdom diet, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, leave me a rating and review. This will ensure that people can find the podcast so that we can grow the audience, and it will help me secure guests for future episodes. If you have suggestions on what you want to hear on upcoming episodes, go to AncestralElements.com and leave me a comment. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts and inputs and answer any questions that you may have.